Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Happy Easter. All right, everyone hates me. Okay, it's fine. Happy Easter. Oh, Jesus. Maybe y'all still love me after the sermon. Um, I'll be honest with you, when I was preparing for Easter and I was, when I was getting ready to preach on the resurrection of Jesus, sometimes as a pastor, because we only have Easter one time a year, that can be a bit challenging because you either have to preach on something that you've heard before or you have this traditional Easter message that is just like the Easter message and you preach on that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like you've been to church, you've heard a ton of Easter messages. But I have something for you this morning that I believe is the gospel. Um, I don't believe that it will be your traditional Easter message, but I will get into that in a moment. So if it's not your traditional Easter message, forgive me. I love you. See you next week, okay? Um, I want to start in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start reading in verse 12. And I want you to lean in because this is some... This is some stuff that Paul says. And um, I put it in a different translation because it's a little bit easier to understand in this one. And I did not want to preach out of my translation because I would have had to spend more time telling you what he was saying instead of just reading this translation. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 15. We'll start in verse 12 and then we'll go from there. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead... Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said... God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died in believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Jesus is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Listen to this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, listen to this, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. So just as death entered the world, so did life enter the world. If death was through Adam, life is through Jesus. 
But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come. And when he... When he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power, for Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then we all are under his authority. The son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will will utterly supreme over everything everywhere. Your translation probably says, so Christ can be all in all. So before we get into really what I want to talk about. I want you to help me with my title. And where is Charlie? Is Charlie in the building? Charlie is right here. Charlie, y'all pray for Charlie. Okay, let me tell you why. Because I send Charlie all my titles, and then I changed it last night about 11 o'clock. So, and Charlie does all of the graphics for this stuff. But I do have a title for you this morning. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to say, Embracing Easter. Embracing Easter. So, most of the time on Easter Sunday at church, we hear an Easter message. And to which we are all accustomed to. But I would actually am going to present to you something this morning that if the Easter message that you heard was a traditional Easter message from about the 1800s on, you may have not really heard an Easter message. You with me? I don't think that we get the reality of Easter from the 15th century. I think we get it from 1 A.D., I think we get it from the first five years of the church in which we call the patristic years in which there were patristic fathers that preached an Easter message. Are you with me so far? So we don't get our Easter message from people like John Calvin, people like that. I don't even think he preaches the Easter message. But we get our message and what we think about Easter From Paul, right? And from Jesus. And so, before we can actually talk about what Easter means, you have to know what Easter's not. Right? You with me? We have to know what Easter's not. So, I'm going to preach to you for a second a traditional Easter message, and do not amen me. Because it would be very awkward when I like contradict everything that I'm about to say in just a second. Okay? But listen, day one of Bible college, they pull you, or if you go online, they take you into this room and they give you this six hour long lecture to put a lens on you 
so that you view everything through an appropriate lens so that you can interpret Scripture appropriately. And they say this. They say everything has to be interpreted when thinking about God through three lens. Is it good? Is it true? And is it beautiful? Is it good? Is it true? And is it beautiful? And if you can't look at what you think about God and say that's good, that's true, and that's beautiful, then what you are talking about is not Jesus. And so I even think the traditional Easter message that we have been presented is not good, it's not true, and it's most definitely not beautiful. Here's why. Tell me if you've heard this before. You are wicked as it gets. And there's no good with you. Have a tough time arguing with God about that because when he created you, he said, this is good. you know. But you are wicked. You are fallen. You are broken. You, there is nothing right about you. And God is mad because he created you as broken and fallen and wicked, and now he's mad about it because he created you to be that way. And so because he created you, and now that you're wicked and you're fallen and you're broken, now he has to send Jesus. Because he's so mad that he has to send his son so that God can beat the utter you know what, out of Jesus so that he can save you. You probably heard something like that. That means that Jesus came to save you from God. And that is not the gospel. That is not the message of Easter. That, is, that was created in like 1500. That's not the message of Easter. God is not this evil godfather in the sky. And some days he's a good dad. And then other days, better not mess with him today. He's a schizophrenic stepdad. Walk in the house, messed up. No telling what's going to happen. My favorite, I think Pastor Casey says this too. He's like, my favorite is... When people say, God's about fed up. <laughs> Little bit more sin over with. You and God, y'all are done. Just a little bit more. Done. You can't say that that is a good God. And you most definitely can't say that that is beautiful because in order to embrace Easter, you can't believe that Jesus saved you from God. That is not good news. That's bad news. Because that means the God that we worship has issues, problems, lots of problems that need to be addressed. So the first point this morning is, is if Jesus didn't save you from God, then what did he save you from? He 
saved you from death and sin. Jesus did not pay a price to the Father for you. Jesus paid a ransom to death and sin for you. You were not held in captive by God. You were held captive and in bondage by death and sin. The Father did not hold you in bondage until he just got fed up and was like, I got to send Jesus to go take care of all this. That's not the gospel. That is not Christianity. If you got saved to that God, you did not get saved. You got saved to Pluto. Because that's who come up with that. I'm serious. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. That's not the gospel of Jesus. You with me this morning? Point number one. God doesn't save you from himself. God saves you from sin and death. Let me read something to you. You ready for the Bible? We use that around here. <laughs> I'm going to read this to you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 through 57. But let me reveal to you this wonderful secret. We will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when that trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living, living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been made transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God... But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus. He doesn't give you victory over God. Because God isn't holding you captive. Sin and death is what holds you captive. It is not the Father. Jesus is not an attorney for you. To God. God is the judge. And you see Jesus as an attorney coming to make a case for you. That is not it. Let me even take a step further. Jesus wasn't your substitute. He wasn't your substitute. And I'm going to show you this in a second. But we have been taught that Jesus, God was so mad at us. He had to kill somebody. Something. He had to murder it viciously. You know this is true. This is the gospel that we have heard. He had to murder something or somebody. And because Jesus is the loving side of God, 
He checked into the game as the sub and was our substitute. That's not the, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel that Paul preached. The gospel that Paul preached says, when he died, I died. We even say stuff like this. We even say, the Father was in heaven. He was on the throne. And Jesus was down here on earth. And the Father had a couple lightning rods in his hand, just waiting to kill somebody. Y'all know this is true. We've heard this image of God. And because Jesus was so gracious, he was our substitute, so he struck Jesus with lightning. Paul said that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken me he wasn't saying God left him. He was quoting a psalm. He was saying, oh, David, I probably know what you feel like a little bit. But God was in Christ, reconciling you to him. God was in Jesus on the cross. Winning, getting you back from the bondage of sin and death. The second thing you need to know to embrace Easter is you need to know this. Adam is not your father. Adam is not your father. I told you this wasn't going to be a traditional Easter message, so forgive me. Adam is not your father. Let me read a little scripture here to you. As the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of man's sin. Listen to this. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to us being made right with God. Even though we were guilty of many sins, for the sins of this one man, Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful gift of grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will triumph over sin and death. Yes, listen to this. Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life to everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many were sinners. But because another person obeyed God, many are righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are. But as people sinned more and more, keep listening, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace reigns over you and brings you to life. Resulting in eternal life through our Lord Jesus. What then? Should we keep sinning so that God should show us more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, this is not talking about water baptism. It's not talking about you being joined with Christ in baptism. I'll explain that in a minute. We joined him in his death. 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. It is talking about the baptism of Christ into humanity. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also have been raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. And he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives to the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God through Christ. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? If you want to embrace the message of Easter, I'm about to mess with you. They say not to do this on Easter. Here we are. <laughs> you have to live your life with greater regard for the death burial and resurrection of Jesus than you do the fall of man we think Adam's fall is, is, is the climax of the story of the Bible true but brother you're just fallen we're in a fallen broken world not according to Romans 6 I'm not not according to Romans 6 I died with Jesus, and Jesus raised me with him. You know, also, let me give you something else to make you chew on, without my permission. He didn't ask for my permission to come and die for me. Give me that one, he's going to get this. I'm so glad that God consulted with all of the people who were bound by death and sin before he came and just rescued us from it. Do you want me to come? Yes! Been down here since the beginning of time. Yes, I want you to come. We live more aware of Adam than we do Jesus because we've been told to. Not because the Bible says that. I am simply here this morning to tell you the resurrection of Jesus is more powerful than the fall of Adam. And I could sum up the gospel of Jesus in that one statement. Everything he did in his resurrection is more powerful than what Adam did in his fall. Right? You don't live as fallen you don't live as Adam. You do not live sinful as Adam. You live as Christ. Because according to Romans 6, I was buried with him, I was raised with him. Right? 
I could get so much further down that road. You actually was crucified with him. You were buried with him. You were raised with him. And you were seated with him. We won't go there yet. You live as Christ, resurrected and made alive with him. As you are right now. Let me, let me just, the reason why you keep failing and you keep sinning is because you keep trying to get this thing right. Let me tell you some good news. That's not your job. You couldn't get it right. So he did. And out of his love, he included you in that. The reason you keep failing is because you keep trying to measure up. You can't measure up. He did all the measuring up there is, and he put you in him while he did it. So when God looks at Jesus, you know who else he sees? You. The gospel is not that you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail. And you keep running back to God and you keep running back to God and you keep running back to God. If you Listen, the reason that you keep failing is because you think you have to run back to him. You are in Christ. What are you running for? Christ put you in him through his death. And his resurrection. That's the good news of the gospel. It's You will not just get it right someday. Through discipline. And if you do, perhaps get it right because you're disciplined enough. That is self-righteousness. And that is a Pharisee. You don't want to be that. That's the reason that Paul says this is a free gift. And he gives it to you whether you say, well, I got this and I'll raise my hand and whatever. The gospel is something that you are awakened to. It's a revelation about Jesus that you are awakened to in a moment. Right? The gospel is not you seeing how bad you are. That will not work for you. Ever. The gospel is not to reveal Adam. It's to reveal Jesus. And it's not to reveal the nature of Adam. It's to reveal the nature of Jesus. Embracing Easter requires you to know that Adam is not your father. And you no longer have his nature. You have a new nature. In Christ, you are made New. That leads me to my last point. Point three. We are not better versions of ourselves when we come to Jesus. We are new. We are new. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians 5. 
Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. You with me? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently do we know him now? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Not a better person. A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ. Read that again. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself listen no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation how did God reconcile the world to himself through his death burial and resurrection he stopped holding you accountable for your sins and he gave an account for them to death and sin. I am talking about just the justification of God, because that's what we like to call it in the West. In the East, they call it saving the cosmos. They're a bit smarter than us. How do I know? Harder to read their books. <laughs> but we genuinely, how does God make you new? And how did God save the world? By not counting your sins against you. He made you new. Therefore, the old things have passed away and you are a new creation. It doesn't say you are a saved person or a moral person or a better person. It says you have been made new. It doesn't say you repeated a prayer and walked the Romans road, which doesn't exist, by the way. It's not in the Bible. Sorry. It doesn't mean that you repeated a prayer. It doesn't mean that you lifted a hand. It doesn't mean anything like that. That's not what this means. This is not just about your confession. And I know Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth, believe with your Lord that Jesus is, Christ, Jesus is Lord. He was not saying that for people to get saved. He was saying that to denounce Caesar. That's not a good verse to get saved by. Hate to ruin that one for you too. But I want the real message of Jesus. I don't want to know what I have just been taught to think. I want to know the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that he paid, a, he paid my debt to death and sin. Not the father. Adam is not my father. And I do not have Adam's nature. 
I have Jesus' nature according to Romans. And then he didn't just pay for me to be better. He paid for me to be new because I was dead and now I'm alive. And I genuinely mean that. If you repeated a prayer or raised your hand and you got saved, that's awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I'm telling you, it's more than that. It's you have been made completely new in God. You have been made totally and completely new because God loves you so much. It wasn't that God was so angry that he sent his son. God wrapped himself in flesh and came and paid the debt to sin and death for you. Not to God. I want you to stand to your feet with me today. Now I just want you to Everybody's going to be moving around a bit. It's okay. Just humans moving. It's okay. I really want you to examine this this morning in your heart. I want you to think about this deep down in your heart this morning. Deep down in your spirit, I want you to think about this. Is this the God I gave my life to? Or is this the God I want to give my life to? Not a God that's angry with me ready to smite me to the ground at any moment when I say that I want to come. But the God that was in Christ reconciling you to Him. The world. You. To Him. And that's a reality that you have now been told and awakened to. And not that you were so bad and God was so angry and He was so mad that He had to send Jesus. It was that death and sin had its grip and Jesus came and broke it. That's a God worth giving your life to. Because you were dead and he come and resurrected you from the dead. In his death and resurrection. And so he's not a far off God in the sky. Waiting on you to come running to him. One day when you have a revelation of how bad you are. When you are made aware of how much God loves you and you are made aware of how righteous He made you, you stop questioning this whole thing. Even when you blow it, He still calls you righteous. I could go down this, I could go down this, this road for days. Even when you're not living for God, he still calls you righteous because it's not your righteousness it's his Isaiah says my righteousness is but filthy rags but when Jesus came he took your filthy rags and he put the robe on you man it's the story of the prodigal son he took your filthy rags and gave you a ring and a robe and they threw a party for you coming home to Jesus if that's not good news I don't know what is I can tell you this the gospel is so good it's hard to believe 
It's so good and it's so simple. It's too good to be true. If you're not preaching a gospel that's too good to be true, you're not preaching the gospel. If you believe, if you're believing in a gospel and you're believing in a message from Jesus that's not too good to be true, you are not believing in the message of Jesus. This good news is too good news to be true because it's not good news for you and bad news for others. It's good news for everybody. And so this morning, right where you're at today, you have a decision to make. Do you want to give yourself to this God all fresh again? Maybe you've been serving Him for years. Maybe you're not serving Him at all. But you want to give yourself fresh again to a God that calls you righteous. A God that was in Christ, was buried and resurrected, and He included you in that. I want you to bow your heads all over this room today. And I want us to thank God for that glorious truth. And some of you, we're not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forth unless you want to. We're going to have a time of worship that we go back into. There are going to be people down here praying. But I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands to get saved or anything like that. Because I'm not interested in counting a number of how many hands grow up. I want to see new life. I want to see this lived out. And so if you want to give yourself to this Jesus... This God, this good, loving Father, you have to answer the question right now in your heart. You have to answer that question. And even us who have been doing this for some time and may have this revelation, we all again, it's so beautiful. We get to give ourselves afresh again to this Jesus. This is the message, the message of Easter, is that I was made new. I was, I was co-buried co-crucified, co-resurrected and now I'm co-seated with Christ in heavenly places Thank you for listening to this week's message If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church